You're listening to season two of Healthy House Calls with Angel. Today, I'm asking, is the food you're eating making you sick? Everything you've ever wanted to know about food allergies, food sensitivities, and so much more. Hello, welcome to Healthy House Calls with Angel. I am your host, Angel Shannon, giving you tips, tools, and holistic strategies to live a healthier life by intentional design. Join me as we explore the landscape of lifestyle medicine, offering practical tips that help you eat, sleep, move, and live better, and help you become fit and functional for life. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Healthy House Calls with Angel and the Fit and Functional for Life community. I'm Angel Shannon, your host, and I want to welcome you to a community that believes that good health is so much more, so much more than just a normal physical and the weight on a scale. Good health is also the sense of harmony, balance, peace, purpose, and fulfillment we feel in our lives. If you are a returning listener to this podcast, thank you so much for tuning back in. And if you're brand new to this community, here's what I'd like you to know. We are a community that believes first and foremost that good health is the very first wealth. And because of that, we declare our physical, mental, and spiritual well-being to be our single most important priority. In this community, we value knowledge, wisdom, and most importantly, personal transformation. We take our health into our own hands by being informed and empowered and by taking action and holding ourselves accountable. We prioritize rest, movement, mindfulness, optimal nutrition, spiritual growth, and get this, meaningful work that aligns with our life's purpose. In a nutshell, we are a community that desires to be fit and functional, not just for a day, not just for an event, but fit and functional for life. So thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome back. I've got an exciting episode ready for you. So folks, here's what I'm talking about today. Allergy or sensitivity is the food you're eating making you sick? That's a loaded question. Because it's summer. It's the season of cookouts, weekend grilling, farmers markets, you know, and one of life's biggest pleasures, biggest pleasures is eating. We have so many delicious and tantalizing foods to choose from these days. I mean, take one look at social media, Instagram and TikTok. You'll know what I mean. Food is everywhere and it looks so Good. It looks so good, doesn't it? And it doesn't stop there. We see loads of recommendations about diets, Mediterranean diet, paleo, pescatarian, vegetarian, vegan, plant-based. And the problem is they all sound good. They all sound right, right? They really do appear to be good for you meal plans. I mean, who can argue with eating more fruits and veggies? right? Who can argue with eating more raw veggies? But the truth is some foods can cause really unhealthy reactions in our bodies. They can actually promote inflammation and cause serious symptoms and even damage. You know, time and time again, I've seen this in my clinical practice. I've had hundreds and hundreds of patients in my clinical practice come to me with symptoms that are telltale signs of food allergies, 
telltale. Gas, bloating, abdominal fullness, constipation, diarrhea, reflux, heartburn, even skin issues and rashes. And then there are even symptoms that aren't so obvious, like headaches, low mood, mood swings, anxiety. And that's why I really want to talk about this really important topic. So today I'm asking, are the foods you're eating making you sick? Even the foods that are considered to be healthy. So who's this episode for? This is for you. If you've had stomach issues like gas, bloating, constipation, heartburn, reflux, feeling full before you're actually full, this episode is for you. If you've had headaches, joint pains, changes in your mood, trouble losing weight, trouble sleeping, trouble falling asleep and staying asleep, this episode is also for you. Because as the old saying goes, you are what you eat. We are what we eat. And did you know that certain foods can stress your immune system? Certain foods can trigger the immune system cascade, strain even a strong body. And if continued over time, they can potentially contribute to the development of many, many debilitating conditions. So in this episode, we're taking a deep dive and answering some of your questions about food allergies and food sensitivities. What's the difference? We're going to be talking about how allergies and sensitivities develop Are you born with them or can they develop over time? We're answering the question, can food allergies cause you to have trouble losing weight? That's another question that came into my Ask Me Almost Anything uh, email box. Okay, all of that good content and more today. Now, you'll want to stay tuned in until the end and make sure you grab the show notes. I'm going to say that again. Stay tuned and make sure you grab the show notes because I'll be sharing the steps you need to take to figure out which foods are helping and which foods are actually hurting. Okay. I'm sharing specific questions you'll want to ask your healthcare provider and your health coach, because I know you have one or you should. Lastly, in those show notes, I'm giving you an easy and proven method for changing your eating habits so that you can live longer and live better. Okay. So I want you to stay tuned to the whole episode. Stay tuned to the end. Grab these resources that are available to you. Implement them into your healthcare that you're already receiving from your healthcare provider and your health coach. Know that everything on this podcast is for educational purposes only, but this is education and news you can use and implement in your life right now and today. That's what lifestyle medicine is all about. That's what functional medicine is all about. That's the 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 crux of this podcast, which is the Fit and Functional for Life community. We want you to be fit and functional for life. Okay, so let's jump into today's topic about food allergies and food sensitivities. So let's go ahead and jump in. Let's do what I like to do, which is that 30,000 foot view, that broad overview, get the lay of the land, understand some of the terms. Let me help make this science a little bit simpler. Let's start off with just the general question, what are allergies? What are they? So allergies are disorders of the immune system. And more specifically, they are an overreaction of an individual's immune system in response 
to a foreign substance that is perceived as harmless by most other people's bodies. This person who has allergies has an immune system that is recognizing something as foreign or non-self, okay? What causes allergies? Well, allergies are caused by that hyperactive immune system response. And people with allergies produce this immune response to the substance in the environment that is, as I said, typically harmless. So let's look at the immune system itself. And because the immune system is so nuanced, so complex. I'm going to try to keep this really simple so that we're not burdened by some like really big terms. Okay. The immune system is our body's coordinated defense system. It is in place to defend our bodies against infectious organisms and anything that is considered potentially harmful, any invaders. And those invaders are called, scientifically, they're called antigens, okay? So antigens can be found on the surface of anything, any living or non-living thing, on cells, viruses, fungi, bacteria, toxins, drugs, over-the-counter medications, foreign particles, splinters, when you, you know, splinter your hand or such and so, you know, touch a splinter. And these antigens can be found anywhere, anytime, on anything. Now, during the immune system response, when the immune system recognizes an antigen, what happens is it produces protective proteins called antibodies. And those are called scientifically immunoglobulins, okay? IgG, IgA, and such. We'll get into that in just a second. Antibodies are Y-shaped proteins. They're shaped like a Y, they're proteins, and they're produced by the cells of our immune system. They're there to act specifically, they're produced specifically, let me say, for each food allergen and substance. And the job of antibodies is to basically neutralize, neutralize and eliminate the allergen or the foreign substance from the body. Okay. And the symptoms that we experience are the direct result of this process. So when these antibodies or immunoglobulins get on the scene, the symptoms that we experience are a direct result of that process. Antibodies stick to specific antigens, which makes it easier for immune cells to identify these invaders and destroy them. That is the nuts and bolts of the matter, okay? Some of the most common allergens that we already know are pollen, dust, insect bites, well, let me say insect venom, animal hair, animal dander, mold, certain medications, latex gloves, and so on. Some people are allergic to latex. So that's what we know. So the immune system's role in the allergic response is to create this sort of sticking together of antibody and allergen to get that substance out of the body and get it out quickly, okay? In the allergic response, the immune system is overreacting. It's hyperreactive to these antigens. And by hyperreactive, I mean that it produces immunoglobulin E or IgE antibodies. These antibodies travel to the cells 
that release histamine. This is a substance called histamine and other chemical mediators. And that's what causes these allergy symptoms to occur. Okay. So the human body carries out this allergic response or cascade in three specific stages. The first stage is called sensitization. The second stage, which is considered early phase. And then the third stage is called late phase. Okay. So let me go through these stages so that you understand what's happening in the immune system response. So when you come in contact with an allergen for the very first time, I mean, the very first time, there is no allergic reaction at all. Nothing, nothing at all. The immune system undergoes this process of sensitization, which basically means that it's preparing itself for the next time this foreign invader comes around. So whatever that foreign invader is, whether it's dust, pollen, mold, you know, insect, venom, whatever it is, the body is preparing itself. Now, in a series of very important steps, the immune system breaks apart this antigen. It it presents all of the little fragments of this to the immune cells, other immune cells, and an antibody is produced that is specific to that invader or that antigen. And this antibody is called IgE or immunoglobulin E. So a person who's created IgE antibodies specific to a an antigen is referred to have uh, referred to as having been sensitized to the antigen. Okay, and the specificity of Ig antibodies is the reason why people can be allergic to one substance yet not another. Okay, so this sensitization stage is concluded by allergen-specific IgE antibodies that attach to those cells. They're, They're called mast cells, and mast cells are leukocytes or white blood cells. They're also known as mast regulators of the immune system. They're found in most tissues of the body, and they are strategically located in different areas of the body that come in in close contact with the external environment. This is why you'll see sometimes the first exposure to grass or, you know, environment trees, you'll have this sensitization because these are, these um, cells or mass regulators are usually placed in, or are usually found in the skin, airways, in the intestines, okay, to to just, they're there to aid in early recognition. That's their role is to get, get on the scene early so that they recognize these allergens when they come around again, okay? Stage two is considered early phase. Now, this is, this is what happens when a person is exposed for a second time to the substance that they are allergic to. And allergen-specific IgE antibodies recognize and bind to that allergen. So because the body has now been sensitized, now these IgE antibodies say, hey, oh, wait a minute, I see you, I know you, I've seen you before, okay? Mass cells are then stimulated again uh, when this uh, abundance of antigens, you know, are presented, 
and they bind to the IgE located on its surface, okay? So activation of mast cells results in this rapid release of histamine and other inflammatory substances called mediators, okay? So the mediators then bind to receptors on target cells, and that, again, creates a whole string of events within the immune system to happen. So there's dilation of blood vessels, there's excess mucus being uh, produced, okay? And they're all of those symptoms of allergies to begin with, okay? So remember those symptoms are itchy eyes, runny nose, cough, hives, sneezing, wheezing, all of those kinds of things that you experience, particularly with environmental allergies or, you know, outdoor allergies, okay? And these symptoms usually for IgE-mediated allergy uh, responses, usually these things happen within the first hour of being exposed to an allergen, okay? And that applies to environment or even food, okay? And these are the type of allergies that are really, really significant. And when we dive into food allergies specifically, We'll talk about why these are really crucial to identify because they can be life-threatening. So you know people who have peanut allergies or shellfish allergies, these are those very serious symptoms that start happening when people are exposed to IgE-specific you know, allergen antibody complexes, okay? Now, stage three is the late phase. The late phase allergic response typically occurs two to four, maybe two to six hours after exposure to the allergen and reaches its peak somewhere about, you know, seven to 10 hours later. Those activated mast cells attract other inflammatory cells to the site, bringing along, you know, cells such as eosinophils, basophils, neutrophils, and lymphocytes. These are all white blood cells, okay? And similar to those mast cells that I talked about earlier, these inflammatory cells release toxic chemicals that irritate the body and can even cause tissue damage, okay? So all of these white blood cells, eosinophils, basophils, neutrophils, lymphocytes, they are doing what they're supposed to do, which is to help, but they also release toxic chemicals. And these late phase allergy symptoms that you usually experience, especially with environmental allergies, nasal congestion, excess mucus, all of that kind of thing, those symptoms generally resolve maybe 48 hours or so post-exposure. But the merging of this early phase and late phase can result in really severe allergic response. And anyone who's ever had an allergic response, and I'm raising my hand because I'm one of these people who had very serious allergic response to, to grass at one point and ragweed, not really grass, but more so the ragweed. Oh my gosh, it was the worst thing I'd ever experienced in my life. Um, you know, it, it can be pretty, pretty severe and pretty debilitating, to say the least. So that is the overview of the immune system, these phases, and what's actually happening specifically in these IgE responses, uh, allergic responses. 
Now, let's talk more specifically about food allergies, okay? And this is important because millions and millions of people are affected by food allergies, and I do mean millions. Normally, our immune system, as I described, protects us against outside threats, big threats, viruses, dangerous bacteria, things like this, and is usually tolerant of food because our bodies know that we need food, right? But some people have responses to foods, and many of us do, to foods that we wouldn't think are really dangerous, right? So this is where understanding the difference between food allergy and food food sensitivity is really super important. And understanding that this perpetual or ongoing triggering of our immune systems over and over and over with these mast cells and eosinophils and basophils and all of those cells that I uh, mentioned is actually pretty harmful. And especially when it is because of something that we are eating that we think is just absolutely okay And we don't even know at the cellular level that this is happening over and over and over, leading to potentially damaging um, tissue damage and chronic diseases um, that are a direct result of inflammation, okay, chronic inflammation. So what are food allergies? I like this definition offered by the European Academy of Allergy and Clinical Immunology, and it just defines a food allergy as an immune system-mediated clinically evident reaction to foods. An immune mediated simply means it's a condition that happens as a result of abnormal activity of those immune cells, overreacting or attacking the body and displaying that extreme inflammatory response or loss of the ability to recognize and fight against invading organisms. So it's either overreactive or underreactive, right? And as it pertains to foods, these immune reactions more specifically involve antibodies, um, the IgA, IgE, IgG, and IgM antibodies. Now, food allergies are classified as either an IgE-mediated or non-IgE-mediated reaction, okay? So there are two types of allergic reactions. There's that type one immediate onset hypersensitivity reaction that occurs within a really short period of time after exposure. Symptoms that we typically see in clinical practice will involve hives, swelling, maybe stomach upset, oral allergy syndrome, which is that itching around the mouth or itching in the tongue, Um, an acute asthma attack, or Um, you know, shortness of breath. Those are the typical presentations of a type one immediate onset hypersensitivity reaction. And it's usually the result of the relationship, um, you know, between the, it's usually a result of the intake of certain types of food. And those symptoms are really self-evident. I mean, it's, it's painfully clear when you are allergic to nuts or to uh, shellfish specifically, Um, those we know of, those are important to get tested out and to know and to have the the ready EpiPens and things like this to prevent a condition we call anaphylaxis, okay? What we're talking about today more specifically is the type two, the non-IgE mediated delayed onset hypersensitivities where reaction is delayed by hours or even days after exposure 
to the allergen. These delayed reactions more often than not involve IgG and IgA antibodies. Okay. So the thing that makes these really important, really important is that non-IgE mediated immune reactions are delayed and they can be ongoing and they can often be without a clear end or set point. Okay. And it's diff and they're often difficult to diagnose because you don't really associate them with food. And let me give you an example because they're so delayed. Let's say you just eat, oh gosh, what would it be? Let's just say you eat wheat toast one day and you're not really super allergic to it like the shellfish or the peanuts, but you have a type two non-IgE mediated delayed onset hypersensitivity. And let's say you eat this wheat one day, let's say nine a, wheat bread, 9 a.m. And four or five hours later, you feel this little itchiness or you feel this little tingling inside of your mouth or whatnot. And you think to yourself, well, you know, I also had a cup of tea. Maybe it was the tea or, oh no, I went outside and I was at my kid's baseball game. Maybe it's that. The onset of symptoms is so distant from the time that you, you know, were exposed to that allergen that it's clinically underappreciated. The same thing with, you know, eating certain foods and experiencing mental health concerns like anxiety, irritability, nervousness, difficulty sleeping, something that you ate early in the morning. And then, you know, later at night, you're having difficulty falling asleep. I see this so often so often in my clinical practice. And this is what makes getting food sensitivity testing and food allergy testing so super important, so super important, okay? So I just wanna summarize this by saying, in a nutshell, with food allergies, we have two types. We have the IgE-mediated, um, immediate onset hypersensitivity allergic reactions, and then we have the non-IgE-mediated delayed onset hypersensitivity allergic reaction. So basically there's immediate onset and then there's delayed onset, okay? The IgE antibodies are the main players here in the immediate onset. You know, they're life-threatening anaphylactic reactions can occur. We find them typically with things like nuts, peanuts, shellfish, and we can see really, really quick and severe symptoms. What we are talking about today, again, is those non-IgE mediated, where we're talking about IgG and IgA antibodies. We're talking about the delayed onset of those allergic symptoms that are almost always missed or misdiagnosed in many, many, many cases. And, and I'll just say in my clinical practice. So I hope that gives you some understanding of the overview of the immune system itself, the three separate stages of allergic reactions, and an understanding a broad 30,000 foot view of what the immune system looks like and some understanding of the difference between antigens and antibodies. So let's keep going with this. Let's get our magnifying glass. Let's go all the way into the immune system and let's see actually what happens and where, okay? So it all starts in the lining of our gastrointestinal tract where the large majority of our immune system resides. And this is why, this is why gut health is so 
absolutely important. It is so important. It's not just about digestion and food and all this other thing. This is important to your immune health. So I want you to strap in and like really like walk through this with me so that you really get this, like you really, really get it. Okay. Inside our gastrointestinal tract, we have something called GALT. G-A-L-T, G like George, A like Apple, L like Larry, T like Tom, gut-associated lymphoid tissue. That GALT is regarded as our largest immune organ. GALT is there to protect us from potentially harmful agents that we are exposed to, okay? But also to figure out what is not harmful, to, to be a fine discerner, of its of the action of the immune response. It's the regulator, okay? Under this tight regulation, okay, GALT is there to figure out this is okay versus this is not okay. This is dangerous versus this is not dangerous. I can tolerate this versus I cannot tolerate that, okay? It is there to downregulate or upregulate the immune system, okay? So in a normal, healthy mode, there is oral tolerance. Foods are tolerated. There's no allergy. There's no sensitivity. When this state of tolerance is compromised, however, through certain foods, certain environmental factors, antibiotics, things like this, This is what upsets the balance of that gut microbiome and it triggers this cascade of immunological events, okay? Our GALT upregulates and begins to attack the very thing that we need, which is food, okay? And this attack is often accomplished through the production of those food antigen-specific antibodies that I mentioned earlier And that's how the whole cascade gets started, okay? There is some belief as it pertains to food sensitivities. There is some belief that the exact mechanism of these responses has to do with a dysfunctional gut lining, okay? In a healthy GI tract, the gut lining acts as a wall. It acts as a wall to protect us from the outside world. And there is, this tissue acts as a barrier. The barrier is made up of these really tiny cells that are held together by what we call tight junctions. And just as the name suggests, these tight junctions keep that whole GI tract cell to cell wall tightly locked together to maintain a strong gut barrier, okay? However, When inflammation occurs, when toxins are in the gut, when all kinds of things upset the gut microbiome, these tight junctions can open and become what is called permeable, okay? Meaning that something can get past and get through the gut wall. When these tight junctions that form that barrier become permeable or when they open, for long periods of time, substances can leak through. Okay. So this is what's called intestinal permeability or leaky gut. And this is what causes that immune system response to those proteins that leak through the gut wall. 
Okay. This is what the clinical research suggests. Okay. And this immune response may result in the production of IgG antibodies to food. So let me give you an, a visual here. Imagine that you've got a pair of pantyhose in one hand, and then you've got a pair of uh, stockings in the other hand, right? Imagine that you pour water into a pair of, of pantyhose. And then imagine that you pour water into a pair of thicker stockings. Which one would likely um, allow the water to seep through? Obviously the pantyhose because they've got those tiny little holes, right? A pair of stockings where there's thicker, thicker material and thicker thread count likely will not allow water to seep through. Okay. So this is what we're talking about when we're, when we're referring to the intestinal lining and we're talking about intestinal permeability and food sensitivities, food allergies, leaky gut, a permeable gut lining where those tight junctions are compromised can cause food sensitivities food allergic responses, and can also trigger those symptoms that a person is experiencing. And I'll talk about those symptoms in just a bit. But that's what a lot of the more later research suggests, that these food sensitivities can be caused by a dysfunctional gut lining. And as I said, this is what makes gut health so absolutely crucial. And when we talk about the gut being the second brain, trust your gut, you know, uh, second brain, this is where those sort of, you know, sayings come from, because that high level discernment, that high level knowing and discernment about what is helpful versus what is harmful, what can create an anaphylactic reaction versus something that's just a sensitivity or not a sensitivity at all. This is where that high level discernment takes place. And this is why, as I said, gut health is so crucial. It all starts with having a healthy gut. So how can you find out if you have food allergies or food sensitivity? So there are two ways to do this. Okay. The first is the old way the old way of trial and error. You just ate food, you ate whatever you wanted, you got a symptom like itchy mouth, stomach upset, nausea, vomiting, boom, you knew that, uh, oh gosh, I better not eat that. And even worse, if you ate a food like shellfish or nuts and had a more severe reaction like tongue swelling and hives and all that kind of thing, well, then you knew you should stay away from that. Well, that's the old way. <laughs> and it's not the way that I advise. The other way which is more precision medicine related and safer. And what we do at SIVA Health, which I call the test don't guess method, is exactly what it sounds like. Test don't guess. Don't guess. These tests are readily available these days. There is no reason to suffer. I mean, honestly, there's no reason to suffer. And I say that to say, because why should you keep eating foods that could likely be making you sick, creating low-level inflammation in your brain and body? Foods that are changing gene expression, causing leaky gut, creating trouble with your concentration, your focus, and your sleep. Foods that could be causing you to have difficulty losing weight, 
you know, adverse food reactions that lead to just really distressing symptoms and chronic health conditions. Why do that when there are tests that are readily available? A food antibody assessment can help you identify your problem foods. And in my practice, after we remove the reactive foods, many of my patients and coaching clients see a really, really, really quick resolution of their symptoms. Seriously. A food antibody assessment can help you discover which foods in your diet can be a source of harm, more harm than good. And it's just a simple finger stick. You get a couple of uh, drops of whole blood, enough to identify elevated food and antigen-specific IgA, IgG, and IgG, uh, IgG antibodies. And if you wanted to go the full distance, you could get a full blood draw, you know, go to the lab and get the blood draw to identify IgE antibodies in addition to the IgA and IgG. I mean, it is really that simple. And under the guidance of your own healthcare provider, those test results can provide a really targeted approach to do some of the lifestyle modifications that I'm going to recommend in just a moment. And it's and it can be just part of your overall comprehensive healthcare. Okay. And then the decisions are left to you and your healthcare provider. But having that information, having the information about what foods could actually be making you sick is so crucial to your health. And not just foods, I'm talking spices, I'm talking, you know, additives. In your food, because let's face it, the food these days has got additives to beat the band, to beat the band. You've got to be reading your food labels these days, guys. You've got to be reading your food labels and you've got to know where your food is coming from. You've got to understand what those words are on those food labels, because I'll tell you, those things can be absolutely making you sick. And the really unfortunate part about it is that what I've seen in my clinical practice, and I've been working in this field nearly 30 years now, I've seen people on medications for symptoms and symptoms alone. And that means, okay, I'm going to take this pill for that, and then I'm going to take that pill for this, and then because the side effect of this medication is that, I'm going to take another pill for that, and then, oh, wait a minute, I need to take another pill for that. Before long, you are a walking pillbox, all because of symptoms. Now, I'm not anti-medication. What I am saying is that you have the opportunity these days to do root cause assessment, and that's what this is all about. That's what this is all about is root cause medicine, fit and functional for life, functional medicine, the tools of lifestyle medicine and functional medicine put together to help you live longer and live better, to change your life, not just your symptoms. That's really what this is all about. Let me get back. Okay. You get your food test results back, your, your, your food sensitivity testing back. What's going to happen? Okay, so there are a few things to know. You'll get your uh, your results back. And for the most part, the tests that I use in my clinical practice are designed to detect the presence of IgG antibodies and therefore reactivity to particular food proteins. The food antibody results are listed as zero for non-detected 
VL for very low, plus one for low, plus two for moderate, or plus three for high. Now, this is the test that I use in my clinical practice. Other tests may be different. And the level of reactivity is based on your body's immunoglobulin uh, G, IgG antibody levels, or your response to that food. Now, um, when I do this testing in my clinical practice, I often let um, my patients know that avoidance of a particular food for several months uh, or more may result in a negative finding. So let's just say that you're saying, I think I'm allergic to or have a sensitivity to potatoes. Well, if you've not had any potatoes for six months, that you're obviously going to have a negative finding. And that's going to mean that, you know, it may not be a true negative or true positive. It, it may not be a true negative because you've not had that particular food to be caught in the test results. Okay. So it's possible to have a positive result for a food you never eat or rarely eat. And that's because the food, pre uh, food proteins can be similar across different types of food families, okay? Um, there may be a food protein in peanuts that looks very similar to a protein in almonds. So therefore, you might have a positive result for peanuts even though you only eat almonds. So these things can be a little tricky, and this is why food diaries and um, food uh, records, you know, meal mealtime records are really important when you have these types of tests done. Okay. Here's another important point. In general, it's common for a few foods to show up as very low. With some exceptions, um, your provider may just focus on the results that are moderate or high, okay, to really help you. And then finally, your measured antibody response may not correlate with the severity of your symptoms. So it's important, again, to have a journal to keep record when you are undergoing food allergy or food sensitivity testing. Okay, Angel. So at the end of the day, what do I do? I get my results back. I see the foods that I'm allergic to or have sensitivity to. What am I going to do now? Well, here's how we manage this in my clinical practice. We do the standard elimination diet. And basically what that means is an elimination diet is just a common treatment strategy to address IgG food sensitivities. And it really comes down to creation of an eating plan where the foods that are more moderate or those that are suspected of causing these adverse reactions are just temporarily removed from the diet, okay? So they're temporarily removed. You stop eating them altogether for a period of time. And then these foods are then carefully reintroduced at a later date. Now, I'm not talking about those foods that we know are a problem, like the peanut allergies and the shellfish, all of that stuff. Those are those immediate onset things that we talked about that we know for sure are eliminated, out the picture, gone, never to return. I'm talking about the uh, delayed onset and those that, you know, that we can you know, that are not causing life-threatening uh, symptoms, okay? So you remove these foods for a period of time, you reintroduce them very slowly and very individually, keeping a very careful journal of when you ate it, how much you ate, what symptoms you experienced, okay? 
and you're doing tracking. So that's really what it boils down to is doing a fair amount of tracking. Elimination diets can really pinpoint symptom triggering foods that may cause or worsen chronic health conditions that you're experiencing. So the diet is specific to food sensitivities that are caused by IgG-mediated reactions and not food allergies. I really want to really emphasize that. We're not talking about food allergy, IgE-mediated reactions that I spoke about earlier. Um, An elimination diet is going to change things. It's going to change your overall food intake. It's going to change your meal plan. It's going to change what you're cooking at home. You know, you may very well be eating one thing while the kids are eating something else, but that's just the cost. That's the price of feeling better. That's the price of reversing some of these symptoms that may be causing you a lot of distress. Okay. Um, You know, the other thing that I mentioned earlier too about leaky gut is there are other things that can contribute to or flat out cause leaky gut. And that some of those factors are alcohol, chronic alcohol usage or, or excessive, I should say, alcohol usage, stress. And I'm not talking about a little bit of everyday, you know, you know, normal stress, you know, with paying bills or whatever. I'm talking about, you know, really unrelenting chronic stress chronic stress. Okay. Um, And you know what? Bill paying is stressful. So I shouldn't use that as an example, but I'm talking about, you know, you know, the everyday life stressors, Yeah, you know, those we have to deal with, but I'm talking about chronic, chronic stress, unrelenting stress. Um, NSAID use, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like the um, ibuprofen, things like this can contribute to leaky gut. The Western diet, the SAD diet, standard American diet, high consumption of red meat, animal fats, sugars, oh boy, that can contribute to leaky gut. Gotta get these meals and meal plans together, folks. I'll tell you, the food that we are eating these days, you know, I myself, you know, have to pay attention. I I won't claim to have it 100% either because it's a work in progress every single day for every single one of us all the time. We all eat on the go. We all get takeout from time to time. We're rushing. We're living busy lives. But I'll tell you, we're paying a price with some of this busyness. And when we're talking about leaky gut and the potential for, you know, things to be, you know, a cascade of events that trigger our immune systems, in a world that is full of viruses and bacterias and different things happening these days, you know, it, it really stands to reason why we have to make such an emphasis on uh, gut health these days. Okay, so we want to get that stress under control. We want to limit these over-the-counter things that we are using. We want to be reading every single label, okay, understanding the potential for impact on the immune system. We want to get stress under control. We want to, you know, limit or, um, you know, limit the alcohol use. I'm just going to flat out say it. Smoking. Okay. These lifestyle factors are so, so important. We want to establish good gut health to begin with. And in my uh, practice, I often offer comprehensive gut analysis of the microbiome as well. I love to see what 
an individual's microbiome looks like because we can do a lot with that microbiome. People talk about the fact that, you know, you can't change your genes and what's in your genes is the way it is. And, you know, I was born with such and such. You can't change your genes, but you can change how your gene expression, um, you can change gene expression by different lifestyle factors, by diet, stress modification, exercising. We can change the way our genes are expressing and regulating different functions in the body. So that's a whole nother podcast. So these are my tips, tools, and strategies and takeaways. If you are a person who has any of those symptoms that I talked about earlier, have a conversation with your healthcare provider. Have a conversation with your healthcare provider and the health coach that I know that you have and have that conversation about whether it would be useful for you to undergo food sensitivity testing, because you'd be surprised at the number of things you may be eating that may be causing more harm than good that may be actually making you sick. Okay. Reach out to me, folks. I have Ask Me Almost Anything link in my show notes. Look at that show notes. And if you have a question, use that link to send me a question about this podcast. Because I know this is sort of like the immune system is very, very intricate. There's a lot of science in there. So use that link in the show notes to reach out to me to ask me almost anything. Type your question in there. I look at these uh, submissions every other day. And I will answer as many as I possibly can. I cannot give you health advice or health recommendations because I just can't do that. But what I can do is point you to the science and I can give you information that you can share with your healthcare provider and your health coach. Okay. If you'd like to have a one-on-one session to even talk about food sensitivities and food testing and how that might be beneficial for you, there is another note, uh, a link in my show notes that you can use to do that as well. Okay. So I'm going to wrap up this episode of Healthy House Calls with Angel by saying that this show is all about helping you get fit and functional for life, not just for a day, not just for an event, but fit and functional for life. Use those show notes, get inside my vault. My vault is this podcast, everything that I've mentioned in this podcast and even more resources. So more resources that you can take to your healthcare provider. You can have that that informed and educated conversation with your healthcare provider, and you can create an action plan that works for you. Gone are the days, folks. Gone are the days of these five and 10 minute doctor appointments and see you next year for your next physical. Those days are over. Okay, the days now are comprehensive care and wellness and well-being. So use these show notes, come inside my vault, grab the show notes, as well as the other resources, links to studies and things like this that are helpful as a base for you to have meaningful conversations with your healthcare provider. I also want to extend to you the invitation to join the Fit and Functional for Life community. We are an intentional community, virtual community of people across the United States and elsewhere into Canada. We are a global community. 
who are coming together to live longer and live better with lifestyle medicine. We really are about busting the burnout and getting the chips, tools, and strategies in place that I talk about on this show every single episode. You know, again, I mentioned about gone are the days of, you know, the five and 10 minute doctor appointments, but let me tell you another thing. Gone are the days of trying to do this thing alone, trying to lose weight alone, trying to create healthier lifestyle habits alone, trying to get your blood sugar under control alone. You know, gone are the days of doing that because we know now, we absolutely know that we can do more together than we can ever, ever, ever do alone. Nobody has a better vision of who you really are than you right? Nobody has a better vision. So why not join a community of people who are working on themselves, who are working on themselves to redefine the picture of health, to carve a new path to wellness, and to build a solid foundation of health and well-being. People who are reframing their mindsets, you know, managing stress, making healthier lifestyle choices. And you know what? Most importantly, supporting each other, inspiring each other so that we can welcome the second and third stages of our lives with more joy, energy, focus, inspiration, and imagination. I'll tell you, because think about it. What if you could, what if you could create a morning routine that helps you focus, that helps you make time for exercise, start enjoying healthy meals every day, learn meditation skills that help you boost your energy, handle stress better, be more productive, lose weight without starving yourself, feel good about your body, be present with your family, your children. I mean, how would those things make you feel? How would that make you feel? That's what we're about in this community. That's what we're doing in the Get Fit and Functional for Life community. Because these days, healthcare feels really overwhelming. Feels really overwhelming. It feels confusing and it feels conflicting. And I am saying that as a healthcare provider. So that's saying a lot. But we are in this community together to take the journey together one step at a time. And let me say this the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. A thousand miles. I believe in that with my whole heart. So Come on over and check us out at www.getfitandfunctionalforlife.com. The link is in the show notes. You have the opportunity to come into this community for two weeks, absolutely free, absolutely free. What's better than that? Come on in absolutely free because we know you're going to love it. That's our guarantee. We know you are going to love it. We've got events, we've got courses, we've got community, and we've got compassion all waiting for you www.getfitandfunctionalforlife.com. Link is in the show notes, guys. Have a look at that. Grab the show notes, get inside my vault, give yourself every opportunity to level up your health this year, to be healthier this year than you have ever been in your entire life. This can be your year to do that. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up this episode. I hope this has been helpful for you. Remember that everything discussed in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not meant to be a diagnosis or treatment plan. Have these conversations with your healthcare provider and your health coach 
to live longer and live better with lifestyle medicine to change your life, not just your symptoms. Be well and be good to yourself and never, ever, ever, ever be afraid to be amazing. Take good care. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Healthy House Calls with Angel. I hope today's episode leaves you feeling inspired, motivated, and empowered to live your best life by applying the practical tools of holistic lifestyle medicine to eat, sleep, move, and live better. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you receive this podcast. Check in for show notes and share this podcast with friends. If you'd like even more tips in your inbox, subscribe to my newsletter. Healthy House Calls with Angel by using the link in the show description. Until next time, be well and be good to yourself.